it takes more than one touch point to make a purchase. I've seen reports up to, I believe, 20 touch points or 20 impressions of a brand to make a purchase. So if you're just only driving ads with the same message, the same call to action, selling the same product over and over and over again, it can get tired and you can burn people out. But if you start to now just have other things that are just being top of mind, it could be overcoming objections, it could be testimonials, it could be a different product, it could be coaching the next step in the action, it could be education about the owner, that plays such an important role in building trust, building that rapport with people. So I think it's like a big mentality shift, not only for educating customers, which is not always easy, but also for us as media buyers, shifting the way that we approach marketing. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Customer Acquisition Show. I'm Tom Erith, the VP of Marketing here at Tier 11. The show is where we discuss all things customer acquisition, helping you acquire customers, increase their lifetime value, basically across all things digital. Today is one of our reoccurring shows where we talk about Meta and other social platforms and what's working now. We are joined by Olha, Landon, and Cameron from our Meta side of the business. And we're just here to talk about and chat what we're seeing working in our different accounts. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Likewise. Yep. So I guess uh, we could start off with what are you guys seeing that's working? I know we did a little bit of talk beforehand, and it seems like one of the big topics that everybody's talking about is creative. So let's talk about some creative and what's working and what's not. Yeah, that sounds great. I think the when I've been looking like holistically at my accounts, it's been really interesting because through conversations, we just noticed over the last kind of couple quarters that broad targeting is working better and better. And if you don't need to add any targeting, the lever that you're going to pull to optimize things is creative. So it's really putting an emphasis on creative. That's something that I've really seen across all of our accounts where just like bigger, broader targeting is getting more successful. And we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of pressing as many buttons in the targeting. And now we can just try to shift that focus into, okay, creative messaging, what's working on the images. That's really something that we've been noticing on my accounts. I agree. We also are seeing that lately creatives have the biggest impact on the performance. And we are testing more and more different solutions, different options that could help us to improve our performance even more. If you're curious, I could start with sharing one of my latest findings. We have a lot of lead gen accounts. What we noticed lately, specifically for lead gen accounts, because we tested this for this kind of businesses, that creatives that we first ran on TikTok, it could be organically or view paid ads, and they got great performance on TikTok. Then we reused them for meta advertising. And they just crush it. Basically, usually when you use meta ads for TikTok, usually it's it's like not working in that direction and you don't see a great performance. But in this case, it worked perfectly. And that's why we are testing this attitude for multiple accounts now. So that's really interesting finding. Landon, Cameron, have you tried yes. this? So you're saying, I've had the same where TikTok ads work on meta, but you're saying now that it's now working the other way around. Now you can also take reels, for example, and put them on TikTok. 
No, exactly. That's not working. TikTok ads are working. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I you found something new because yeah, I think that's been the same for me. If you take something from TikTok, yes, it works. If you put it onto Meta, most of the time. But if you take anything from Meta and you try and then transfer that to TikTok, something that you've proven the strategy first on Meta platforms, it doesn't seem to work ever. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's just the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been noticing the same. Also, trying to like leverage the algorithm as much as you possibly can. So one thing you said, Olha, was seeing what's been working. So something that we do across our accounts is we actually will go through each month the organic content for each client that has been performing really well across their accounts and just trying to use those engagement signals of the type of content that maybe posts or creatives that could just be completely turned into an ad. They're trying to just glean insights on the messaging and the positioning and the certain elements of those creatives and posts that's working. And then just trying to pull that into the advertising strategy and just leverage, okay, if it's working really well organically, the algorithm is just serving it up to more people because of high levels of engagement. Those are likely going to be things that work really well from an ad side as well. Yeah, which also feeds back into, you know, if you're going broad, if something's proven on the algorithm organically, which is broad, you then know, okay, this is something that works, gets a high reach, and then obviously it's going to be transferred onto an actual ad as well to generate reach, to satisfy meta, because they obviously like it organically, so they pushed it to a lot of people. So the AI is going to like it if you put it into an ad as well. So yeah, it's a definitely a good way, I feel, of gauging something's going to be successful. What do you find, Land? Do you find a lot of that stuff is successful as an ad if you repurpose it appropriately? It, yeah, it depends because every client is a little bit different because we're not controlling their organic social media strategy. So there might be, there's always going to be things that might take off, but it might be like a stitch or a duet or something like that on TikTok that you might not be able to directly just kind of take because it went viral organically, but you can't really translate that into an ad. So sometimes it's just looking at like concepts and messaging and just trying to pull that, okay, they were talking about X, Y, and Z. And now we're going to take those insights. We're going to put those into some ads that we're going to start to test and just starting to take much more of like a holistic approach to the creative, not just looking at ad performance, but looking at the organic performance. But yeah, I've definitely seen across ads that I'm running, things that have worked well organically definitely do really well on the ad side. We're doing the same thing. We evaluate organic part of our customers' social, constantly basics. And then we're using the best posts that they shared or that they posted or even some videos and then we use them for us and usually they tend to perform really great also one of the latest things that worked well for one of our e-commerce clients was cooperation with creators one of our customers they are selling beauty products they cooperate with a lot of different creators and uh, we asked them to create uh, basically TikTok style ads, but for running ads on Meta. And this creator, she was the ideal avatar for that beauty product. And that worked really perfectly. That's our best performing ad for, for months now. So that's also one thing that we found 
that's what's working. And do you provide the creators, the scripts, those account? No, usually just general recommendations. But if customer needs, then we could work on that. It really depends on the customer, on the creator, on their experience. Some customers, they have very strong vision of their brand. So they already know what they want to have, how they'd like to see it. Also, some customers have strong creative team in-house. So that's different. That's where I am, the customer. Yeah, yeah. Because I know tier 11, we obviously give the UGC creators, I don't know if you give them a whole script, but I've seen that you give them like an outline of what they should be talking about, a really in-depth presentation. But I've used creators from my own stuff as well. And it definitely varies. If you don't give them any script and you just give them, here's some USPs of my product, here's some problems people have, you might get some creators that make lovely videos that are very catchy they're just not persuading people to make a purchase that level of having to sell online they don't have in the content they create i think ugc's grown so quickly and so many careers have popped up because you see it you get good reaching things with the stuff they create but the question is does it actually convert to a sale at the end of the day or a lead whatever your objective is because i see it on twitter as well lots of these tiktok focused people who run tiktok agencies or whatever they're always talking about views and I always just see it and think, but what business owner really cares about views? Surely they care about your TikTok agency. What's the conversions you're generating from these views? What's the view to conversion rate? What is the revenue? Is it, is it going up? Views doesn't really mean very much unless you're just trying to get brand awareness. Yeah, yeah that's the big thing. That's the big difference of going from being like general to performance marketing and direct response marketing at the end of the day, but also having a like a holistic view because that might be getting them followers and getting them increased to reach, but it may not be generating them sales, which may not be a bad thing as long as they have a back-end way of converting those followers into email subscribers and selling on the back-end. When it comes to the ad strategy, it's make sure you're getting sales. And those things typically are going to happen naturally as a byproduct. If you have good ads, people are going to start following you. Yeah, it's really important. Like when we're working with creators, whether it's like UGC or otherwise, like you're always trying to build authority and that's what you're taking a shortcut with a creator. Hopefully they have an audience that you're leveraging, but there's still a job to be done of sharing the USPs for the product and making that connection with the viewer and getting them hopefully to see themselves as like in the after state to take that action. That's a lot for an experienced creator to do on their own. So I think it is pretty important that you at least coach them through that if you're unless you're and if better is giving them an outline of what you're looking for at each stage of that. Oha with the with the creator marketing you've been doing, have you been using the new meta creator marketplace at all? Mm, not yet. Okay, yeah, it's something I haven't used it, but I've been like looking around and I was like, I think that it's definitely something I'm going to start exploring for some clients in yeah. some specific niches. There are so many marketplace really? creators. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. What have you been seeing, Cameron Ronoha, in terms of video versus images in terms of creative performance on Meta? It really depends on the creator itself. We are seeing success with some shorter videos, stories format, or some TikTok videos. Lately, I haven't seen any success with longer video. I mean, usually we use longer videos just for video use and then for retargeting this audience later with conversion ads. But using longer video of themselves, usually it's not that popular. So our videos are mostly like up to 30 seconds. And regarding images, as usually like uh, the simpler images is, the better the performance we're seeing. 
some pretty simple just like images of business owner with some taglines or even really interesting things that I've been testing lately, text-heavy images without any people like anything, just some background and text. They also could perform really well for some businesses. Yeah, I'm very much the same. So the current suite of accounts I have now, video isn't really the strongest thing for them, but I'm onboarding another client at the moment, which I do envisage video being a very, very big part of it. But yeah, we can talk about that another time and see if that is correct. But yeah, I'm the same with all of the one, these ones that obviously do respond well to images. It's definitely images that are way less produced do better. And one of the things I was doing that worked really is I would take top headlines from my copy or even the full copy and create images from that. So if I'm taking like a long form copy, I would give it to the creative team and they're very creative. And I'd say, listen, I want you to somehow make an image out of this or an infographic and what they've done is they've created really interesting graphic design so there's no photograph on it it's just pure graphic design with text and that has done very well as well as taking the headlines and one of the other things i did was i was looking on facebook specifically not instagram and if you look organically on facebook and you scroll for a while what you'll often see is people in groups asking questions and the way they ask the question is they have like a colored background post with big large white text on it and that is the way that facebook has designed this functionality so what i said is let's try and replicate this with our top headlines so the creatives that we've made for that they look like you've spent two seconds creating them but they absolutely kill it. Like they just do so well. We've already proven that the headlines we've used as a text work. And then I think just because it is so native, the platform likes it, but also people think it is just one of their friends or something, someone they're associated with in a group asking. So they read it, they get curious, and then they go on and read your long form copy or go and visit your website. So that's been a really good thing. And also that same process looking organically the way if someone posts a series of photographs or uploads uploads a series onto facebook what it does is it actually displays them as a collage as a square so you'll see it as a square in the feed but it'll be a collage of different photographs and then when you click on it it'll expand out into an array of different all the individual photographs so what we also did was go that's a functionality let's now just make static creatives of different photos, but we'll make them as a collage. So obviously there wouldn't be the functionality to click on it and expand the photos, but it blends in and makes it seem very native. Facebook likes it and people seem to respond to it. So those are two things I think that have worked well for us by basically trying to replicate what happens organically on the platforms. So one is to basically try to mimic what you in the social feed when people are asking questions and it's like on that color gradient background and it's just like yeah. super clear. And then the other is collage of different parts of the customer journey. Just different photographs. So let's say you were selling, I don't know, some item of clothing. You could have one large photograph as part of a like a five-photo collage grid. One large one that will capture people looking at it. Maybe it's some, I don't know, emotional hook where the person's wearing this item of clothing at some, I don't know, fancy event that captures your attention. Then you'd have another photograph where you might just show the item of clothing by itself. 
maybe another one in another situation or like different views, whatever. If you even if you took like the product the photographs you have on your the product listing photos you have on your website and just made that into a square collage and tried that, it could be something that would work. Yeah, I love your mindset around creating winning creatives. I think the people that I look to when it comes to like social media is people like Gary Vaynerchuk, people that are investing a ton of money into figuring out what's working. And really whatever is working organically on the platform is going to work from an advertising strategy. So just those little things of what looks native to the platform and then just layering in the direct response stuff. Okay, this is a winning headline. This type of creative works on platform. Let's layer in a winning headline into organic looking content. So yeah, I love that. And then just going with like the collages, this is a native feature in the platform. People are used to engaging with it. It is such a good strategy, just like we were saying with OHA, like taking what's working, getting high engagement on platform. I think that as media buyers, we need to really start to change our mentality from just clicking buttons in the back of Facebook to being more of like an observer of what the market is doing. What is the buying behavior? What's the consumer behavior doing? Because that's how we're creating wins inside of the advertising platform. But like, I agree, if I look across all my accounts, every probably top three to five best ads in all of my accounts are all images. Like I don't have from like cold traffic, it's all images that are winning. Most of them are not super crazy. It's like strong copy that has been proven inside of the image. Most of them have like product in action. They're not just in the past. You could just put up like a lifestyle photo of someone and that does work sometimes, but the personality behind the brand isn't always someone who's going to show up great in photos. So like product in action where that could be like a mock-up of an ebook or the pictures of the screen. If it's like a lead gen and it's a challenge or if it's e-commerce showing the product. And also what you said, Cameron, about the collages, that's funny because some of the top performing ads we have and that I've had on accounts in the past have been like collage based photos. That was the same for us. That was like a chicken and the egg. We found that they worked first. And then when I was scrolling through doing this other process, I realized, oh, that's probably why the collages are working. This is how they're displayed organically. I think the other thing about videos is even if they're maybe not the same, obviously images are working the best. But a video might not be performing as well, for example, on the RAS or your CPA, but it may have another function I sometimes feel, so I'll keep it in. If it's got a massive click-through rate or it just gets much higher reach, a much lower CPM, maybe it's doing something as a holistic creative suite. And I think that's like the, another complicated thing you have to take into account. But we're obviously direct response trying to get the best cost per action but maybe the sale is not, maybe we need other parts of the funnel working as well. And creators are doing something else in the funnel that you might not know, then you turn it off and the overall account stops working. But I definitely feel now it's trying to find stuff that lasts a long time and you can just have it running, working together, and then trying to make small iterations to try and outperform what you've already got, as opposed to trying to replace everything and disrupt the account too much, especially if you're going broad and you're just, allowing it to find an audience and continuously find the people that suit your brand. I was talking to our old copy chief, Zach Romero, the other day. 
about something similar here. And he was talking about how a lot of traditional copywriters try to enter the prospects conversation that's going on in their head. Either what most people need to be doing on these platforms is really entering the programmer or the algorithm's head. Like, how are they finding stuff to serve up to people? And it really gets back to what you're hitting on about the algorithm is really good at knowing what works for organic. So the more that you can mimic organic, the more it knows how to serve up your creative. If you start to get too clever or outside of what it knows, it doesn't really know how to serve that to the right people because it just doesn't have the same amount of data that's behind it with the organic side. So I think what you guys are hitting on, like the more organic you can make something, the more likely it is to be served to the right person. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And it? it's also how you get engagement, which then organically increases the reach of the ad because people are tagging their friends in it, sharing it. So you guys have mentioned a couple of different things here, video views, engagement, not the fun direct response stuff that we like to deal with and starting to think a little bit longer term. How are you guys tackling like longer term like customer acquisition journeys now that things are changing and you're going more broad to more people, maybe even across like different levels, like awareness, consideration, conversion. Yeah. So this is something that I put a lot of time and energy thinking about is like the customer journey and always trying to think of people don't just wake up, see an advertisement and make a purchase. There is usually much more that goes into the actual psychology behind the purchasing decision that they're making and always trying to see how can we mimic or support that journey with paid advertising. So Cameron was saying, you might not have an ad that isn't necessarily generating a high ROAS, but if it's supporting that journey, it can play a supporting role in elevating the account as a whole. So if we start to think of not just looking at one ad or one campaign in isolation and start thinking of how is Facebook working, but not even just that, how is this channel working inside of the whole marketing strategy, which might be Facebook plus Google plus TikTok plus email marketing. The more that we can understand what's actually going into these decisions, the better we're going to be and the more effective we're going to be from what we're doing from an advertiser. So that's exactly what we do with camp at tier 11 is this kind of this full funnel, full journey approach to marketing. And with that being said, a lot of the accounts that we're running some like top of funnel, like organic educational content that we're pushing out to people, we're doing some things that are videos, we might be supporting people in like a high ticket where their people are booking calls after they've actually taken the action we are putting out content and videos in front of those people to continue to coach that next step in the journey so this is something that we put a lot of time and focus into because if we look at one of our clients specifically the average time of that break-even point is like 30 to 40 days so if we're measuring an ad that we're testing on like a seven day look back to see if it broke even for them, we're not going to be making the best guesses. We might actually turn something off. And then in two months, we might turn that ad back on because we actually saw that it actually did perform well. The once people had the time to go through that journey and start making purchases. I just wanted to add that Landon mentioned different types of videos, what we are using usually, and we really love to use them and test them are objection killer videos. So they're not like for the customers who are on the early stages of their customer journey. It's more about their latest steps. 
but it could really help you and make that final push over the edge when they will make purchase after they could see some of these creators that will help them to explain uh, some of their benefits or maybe to answer some of the questions or address some objections. So we see a great success with adding this to a mix. It's not like we're just, as Landon mentioned, that we're just checking the performance of that specific ad, but usually this kind of creators could help to improve overall performance. How do you coach when your clients that you're working with on taking this bigger, longer view of maybe even spending money on stuff that doesn't have a conversion objective to it? We know that all of the things working together leads to longer term success and more sustainable, whether it's leads or customers. Like, How do you coach these clients that you're working with? Help to watch the Tier 11 YouTube. It's our goal as media buyer. It's not just run ads and achieve success, but also educate our customers so they will understand what is the most important thing. And as we always try to explain that just short time success is great. And if we could get some quick wins, it's, yeah, it's awesome. But always you have to keep in mind the long term success and without investing in some brand awareness and consideration, I mean, advertising or even using different messaging, you won't achieve long term success. It's really like essential to keep talking and communicating with the customer through the whole journey. It's really helpful when you have a client that understands marketing and direct response marketing. It makes it really easy because they're immediately bought in. But things like quarterly business reviews, where you're looking at things over a longer time span, definitely help. But also just articulating, like breaking down your own buying journey, like how you make buying decisions. I did this the other day, just I bought this book called YouTube Secrets and walked through, I believe I had nine touch points before I made this decision. And it was like, I had seen this person get interviewed in an interview with Gary Vaynerchuk. And then I had seen his YouTube channel and I watched three videos. And then I ended up seeing two ads and he was holding this book and it just a light bulb went off. And then I went and purchased the book, but not even actually through the ad. I just went to Amazon and purchased it. So if we think of how we make our own buying decisions, it can start to change the way that we approach the ads that we're running and creating more of this holistic vision, which is a big thing that we do at tier 11. We don't just focus on that immediate return in the short term, much more broad focus. And sometimes we have to shift the mentality from that traditional media buying mentality to sometimes it's just staying top of mind to a customer. Like we might, you can put video view ads as little as reach ads for a dollar a day just to get something in front of somebody because it takes more than one touch point to make a purchase. I've seen reports up to, I believe, 20 touch points or 20 impressions of a brand to make a purchase. So if you're just only driving ads with the same message, the same call to action, selling the same product over and over and over again, it can get tired and you can burn people out. But if you start to now just have other things that are just being top of mind. It could be overcoming objections. It could be testimonials. It could be a different product. It could be coaching the next step in the action. It could be education about the owner. That plays such an important role in building trust, building that rapport with people. So I think it's like a big mentality shift, not only for educating customers, which is not always easy, but also for us as media buyers, shifting the way that we approach marketing. 
Yeah, I think what you said was really good as well there, Landon. And it, I think it ties back to what we we're talking about with the camp framework. You've taken nine touch points to buy this book. But where were you actually in your customer journey? You weren't right at the start because you already knew that you wanted to do something on YouTube. But there might be someone else who hasn't even considered YouTube. So they're way higher up that funnel, way higher up the customer journey. And by having an asset that brings them down to your nine touch points, maybe they've had a nine previously and maybe they're going to have nine after. So yeah, I think it really comes back to looking at everything, the customer journey holistically and just trying to be realistic about it. Like you say, referring to how you buy something. I'm buying from a brand, but actually I'm already in that audience because two years previously I got into this network and there's going to people be people at the full spectrum of that journey looking at your brand you might be doing something to bring them into what you're offering and then they buy from someone else but vice versa maybe someone else brings them in at that side of the funnel and then they buy from you so i think you have to be always having that in the back of your mind that you're not just running an ad to get a sale today it is how am i going to bring someone into my industry into my business as a customer holistically there's a marketer by the name of dean jackson and he has a stat that it's i believe about 85% of people don't make a buying decision till after 3 months of being in your world so it's like with knowing that information how would you change the way that you advertise i feel really bad for that performance marketer that taking it the attribution because he brought it on amazon but yeah, I mean, I think camp is a really good way to look at this, like the different awareness levels and how it's so important to get different ads or social out there because you don't know how long it takes for somebody to buy something, right? I know people mm-hmm. who make decisions really quickly without much information, buying or otherwise. And I know people who take way too long overthinking a decision have to be like reaffirmed and reaffirmed. And I want each of those to be my customer. So I have to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. feeding enough information out there. But I think that what you mentioned, the quarterly business reviews is being pretty interesting. I know it's something that we've instituted maybe about six months ago or a little bit longer now. And I was just with the other leaders for Tier 11. And we're really trying to assess like what differentiates customers who have massive success with us and those that don't. And the QBR is one of those like really important factors, because if you think about it, the first part of the QBR is a look back the last three months. And the next part is like really setting the strategy and where you want to go for the next three months. So that's all of a sudden a six month cycle for looking at your business and continually to do that and continue to iterate on the last three months is really essential for identifying where the holes are in your whole strategy, whether that's organic top of funnel on where audiences, or if you're getting a lot of people starting, but not finishing, then that really gives a lot of information for kind of those like solution or product aware that might need a little bit more affirmation for buying the product. So I think that QBR and really taking like a six month planning or even three month look, look, three month look back and three months forward is really pretty important. Yeah, it's a, there's such a balance to be had with that in like those, like the awareness consideration and conversion stage. It's this kind of dance that we have to do as like a marketer and like balancing short-term goals for the client, understanding the long-term impact of what we're doing. Cause when recently I had the opportunity to work with a, like a hundred million dollar business and I've worked with some very large organizations and there's like key components as to why they have been able to amass so much success and a lot of them are intangible. Why are they able to generate leads for less than a dollar or just cut out a post and generate revenue? 
it's because they've built a brand, they've built an email list, they've built a reputation and the advertising and the strategy that you put behind things can really support the creation of that when you have a long-term look. But using that and balancing it with, okay, what did we make? We had to break even this month to pay the bills or we got to get a 2x revenue to cover our staff costs. So it's always this kind of song and dance of you can't always do everything that would be perfect in an ideal situation, but you try and implement as much as you can to work towards. All right, let me see what other topics we hit on. We started to hit a, go talk a little bit about going broad and our favorite Charlie, the, dis, the disruptor, and how he's been preaching that for so long. What are you seeing as far as going broad or even like using some of the more like dynamic creative options? I actually started going broad ages ago. It might just been the clients I had at the time, but when iOS, iOS 14 came into play, the clients I had in that period, broad was what worked best for them. So I, <laughs> I was going broad then and still doing some interest targeting, but it just never seemed to beat broad. And now I'm pretty much fully invested in broad targeting. I think as well with Meta, removing a lot of placements, um, not placements, a lot of audience groups in the targeting option of the ad sets, that kind of forced me previously as well to move to more broad because things I had would be working and then one day Meta just decides to remove it. And then what do you do? If your top campaign was based on some interest group that they've now just decided they don't want to use anymore, that campaign is just going to instantaneously die uh, and you're left with nothing. So I think going broad is a very wise strategy because you can build up learnings within the campaigns where, you know, with the machine learning platform, it's going to train that broad audience to find your ideal customer every single time. So even though you are going broad, it's going to get smarter over time, which you wouldn't get with interest because they're always changing. New people are coming into them. People are leaving them. That's why I think broad is just like such a fantastic placement or fantastic targeting option. Can you (laughs) get tactical and explain exactly what broad looks like within the platform? Yeah, so I think it just depends on your business. But when we talk about broad, we're talking about using no interest groups, no demographic groups. And just selecting the age, the gender, and the location of your target population. Obviously, if you do, for example, let's say your customer base is predominantly females and it's predominantly over 35, you don't necessarily have to select females only and people who are 35 and up. The algorithm is going to be smart enough to decide these are the people responding to this ad. Let me just show it to that segment of the audience. But if you really know your data and you're just wasting money showing to males or you're showing to people under that age range, sure, you can try and restrict it and give it those demographic properties. But I think it's better just to leave it open. I've seen in my experience that if you leave it open, a lot of the time you will do better. If you've been running with a certain age or male, female preference for a long time, and then you go and try something new and leave it fully open, that previous campaign is going to perform better, but that's not because you're selecting the demographic. It's because that campaign has been running a long time and it has the learnings in it. If you were to try something else and give it a fair share, run it for a long time, I would bet after, after a sufficient period of time, it would start to cannibalize that original campaign uh, and be it. So I think really my preference is just selecting the location and leaving 18 and up and male and female, no matter what you're selling. 
Have you been playing around with Advantage Plus shopping campaigns inside of Meta? No, not really. Yeah, so this is something. Have you been experimenting with that, Oha? No, not yet. So but we like, use broad oh, targeting for a lot of our customers just because their businesses. We have a few lawyer firms, so naturally we just use broad targeting and just their geographic, geographic location. Also, we have a few other lead gen businesses that just it just makes sense to run broadly. And usually broad is outperforming interest based audiences and lookalike audiences. So we see a huge success with this as well but it would be interesting to test this thing that you suggest landon <laughs> we're just waiting for the right moment <laughs> yeah it's something we're starting to test in a couple of our accounts we don't have enough data to be able to really determine its effectiveness yet but tom like it is effectively just driving home the fact that even meta is pushing people towards broad like i got an email the other day saying broad targeting is getting, I believe it was 12% lower CPA for small businesses, but Advantage Plus Shopping effectively is that in its own campaign. So when you turn that on, it is effectively like a campaign with ads. It like removes all of the targeting options. It's like country, I think it's like gender age. You don't even have the opportunity to input anything else. You can upload a customer list and determine a percentage of what will be shown to people inside of that customer list. And then you can upload 150 ads and the algorithm just does its thing and showing which ads to who at what time. And they're trying to say that they know better than we do that whole point of where they're at inside of their customer journey and which ad should resonate best with that person at that time. So I definitely think the more we can learn to leverage these tools like these algorithms are smarter than us so we can fight them as much as we want (laughs) but the more we can learn to leverage them the better it's going to be and also make our lives a little simpler as a media buyer not having to be clicking as many buttons but it's we don't have enough data to be able to say how the performance has been on those but i'm really excited to see what they can potentially allow us to do yeah you make a great point as well we don't know where people are at in their buying journey and the algorithm is smarter so i like to gauge it by spend in the past maybe we try and force spend this into something that wasn't taking off wasn't spending whereas now i will look at it and go if it's not spending it means it's not as good as something else or it's not able to achieve what i need it to achieve to whoever it's been shown to at that point in their customer journey so i'll just go that creative obviously doesn't work. I might like it, but I have to do something to improve it and try it again. Because in its current form, the algorithm doesn't like it. So it's not giving it spend. And I'm not smarter than the algorithm. Do you turn those off or just leave them on and not worry about it because they're not getting spend? It depends. If I have I've proven it to be working, because the way I do stuff is I'll test it in dynamic creatives. And then I'll pull the top combinations and put them into a winning ad set within the same campaign. What you'll find with that is a lot of the time it won't get spend, but I know it works well because I've just proven it in the dynamic creative. So in that situation, I'll leave it on and just maybe a month down the line, it just starts to take off because the dynamic creative has had its time and decided that is the best ad for whatever reason. And it will give it to the individual post ID. But there's other instances where it, it hasn't, 
maybe there was like a range of creatives that were working in the dynamic creative. So I took a few of them and put it in and it's not spending. And then that dynamic creative dies out quite quickly. I'll go, that's died. These are not spending. Let me just turn them off and try and find something else. But there was something that worked because it worked for a period. So let me review it and try and figure out what it was and how I can make this have better longevity. Is there a good reason to turn it off? In fact, I don't know. Probably not. You could get people on, I guess. It's just organizing, keeping me in the know, like what is actually... Because you don't need more than... If I look at my top spending accounts, they can I can have one ad that is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe I've got two more and nothing else will beat it. But like all the spend is going to that ad. So what really is the problem? Still constantly testing, trying to find new things, trying to beat it. But I think there was a period where we're all hung up on it, trying to have more and more creatives and more and more things that are working. But if one ad lasted two years in your account and bringing you in customers, I don't think you should be too worried about that. That ad's going to have a lot of learning behind it. And I think you should just try and improve it. You know, don't try and turn it off because you just want to beat it. You feel like you have to beat it. If it's something that works, it works. And I'm sure there's ads that are in a non-digital format that have been running for i don't know like 20 years and still work because it's just something that works like my screens you know that ad where it's just like a burger and a red background and nothing else that's what they've always used and still use so it must work we have similar challenge with what was always working and still working for without one of our customers so they're selling women basically clothing and for the whole time, they had insane success with catalog sales campaigns, so with DPAs. And during like our time of cooperation, and we're still keeping doing that, we tested multiple different types of creatives, shorter videos, longer videos, different styles of videos, then different images, and nothing outperformed the DPA. So what we are doing on constant basis, customer is creating customized BA frames and we are adding more and more ads with these different frames. So that's really unusual experience when this type of ads are working much better than, than everything else in the account. And as Cameron mentioned, we constantly testing new approaches, new angles, but we still keep running this as just because they're working so great. When you talk about DPAs as well, are you talking about just the carousel format? Or do you also use uh, yeah. with the in DPA? most no, in most cases these are carousels and they're creating different I mean it's my first that was my first experience when someone was creating customized frames. And they are looking really cool. And that's what helping with performance a lot. And then the other thing is, Tom, we used to use SoCU, obviously. And so what that is essentially a software that allows you to take the DPA, but you can then change the background. You can add elements and things to it. And what we found with that is that was because that in that client, DPAs, collection ads, using the catalog was what worked best for them. But that gave us the ability to have some input on that and try and make it fit more their brand and their brand aesthetic, but also add elements that improve the DPA rather than your standard white DPA with the Facebook's frames and elements that are pre-built into the platform. Socio is a pretty cool tool because it basically built, allowed you to build like the full custom creative for the catalog, but it had also like dynamic elements in it where it would pull 
like the quantity that they had in stock in their Shopify store. So you can you drive some scarcity based off of, oh, they only have 35 units left of this. And there was all that you could add timers and all other kinds of different things to drive that scarcity. Yeah, usually um, catalog sales is the first thing you have to try for all e-commerce clients if they haven't tried it yet. We also have a great success with level one. It's basically when you're telling the Facebook to find you the customers that are similar to your customers, but that's just built in like option. It's not like you have to upload any customer list or something like this tends to perform really well for us lately as well. Landon, you mentioned um, advanced, how was it? Uh, purchase campaigns? Is that what it was? Advantage plus shopping campaigns. Advanced plus shopping. Wow, I butchered that one. So that's only for e-com, right? now. When it was initially released, yes, but now it's been rolled out for all industries if it's available in your account. Is that something that you can do with leads as well, Legion? Yeah, it's effectively just become like a campaign type with a very misleading name. Yeah, Legion, but it was quite recent, was it not? Yeah, it was rolled out quite recently. Yeah, we got, I don't know if it's been rolled out to everybody or if it's still on being tested with selected accounts. I'm going to go check to see if it's in the uh, tier 11 account. So I'm going to go play around with it. Yeah, because what they're trying to say is when you try and serve this ad to this person, and then once they take this action, or they've seen this video, then you send them this one. It's like you just push everything into this campaign and let Facebook determine what and when to show everyone. Now, obviously, it's a big ask, but I feel it's definitely worth testing. And they've talked about, I believe... They've seen the best success. I think it's around when people are putting around 20 to 30% of their spend into this type of campaign to supplement their business as usual campaigns is what our reps have told us. So we're in the process of slowly testing it. There's a couple limitations. You can't exclude anything. You can only select a country. So we have one client where we need to exclude one state. So we can't roll it out and test it there. So it's still in the process of trying to figure out best fit for it. And then the other technical thing we talked about beforehand was multi-advertiser ads placement. Yeah, this also ties into that. It's forcing you to choose the default setup of Meta. But basically, multi-advertiser ads are a new placement, which only runs on Instagram. And effectively, if someone is in a a shown commercial intent, so they're in the buying mood, you can have these ads where you will be basically placed beside competitors or complementary products, so like Google shopping ads. And if you ever see them, it'll be like, let's say the example Meta uses wedding dresses. So they'll have an ad of a wedding dress or a wedding dress brand. That person has shown commercial intent for someone to do weddings. So beside that ad, they're also going to show a wedding cake. And then maybe the next one is going to be a wedding or florist, a florist for flowers, because these are things that are complementary to what you're buying. And your behavior is showing that you're in a buying mood or you're buying certain things. And it'll literally be on the feed, scrolling down Instagram and look like a carousel. But rather than a carousel of ads from one brand, it's a carousel of ads from different brands and if you click on anyone it would take you to that specific brand's website and i think when these only came out at the end of last year just before we stopped for christmas and i think the initial thought from a lot of the media buying world was okay these are going to be low cpm placements meta are just trying to give us more real estate to advertise on and basically screw over the advertisers 
and take your money. I've split tested them on a couple of accounts. I know other people have as well in the agency. And yes, this actually the, the inverse is true. The CPMs are actually higher, way higher. And what will happen initially is when you run them in a split test campaign, the results will be very similar to the control. So most people, I think, would just go, they don't make any difference and the CPM's higher, let me turn them off. But I find if you just leave them running long enough, like a, a week or two later, then they start to take off. And what I found now is they beat the same creative setup, copy, creative aspect and headline with just this button tick. It always beats the, or not, not always, but like a lot of the time beats the original ad, even if it's had a lot of spend behind it. So I'm now just tech, ticking these as default. Most people or a lot of people may have not even been aware that these are there. Maybe they're using them as default as well. Maybe they're unchecking them. But yeah, as like a standard practice now, I'm just leaving it checked because I've seen in the, the isolated experiments I've done, it does seem to be doing something. You, there's no way of breaking it down and seeing what conversions you're getting from this placement. That's, that was, I was just going to ask you that question. Can we view a breakdown to see the conversions coming from that placement? No, you can't see. And I even have accounts where we don't have much spend on Instagram. So it's an Instagram only placement, but checking it helps the ad overall. So I think it's just a meta thing. They don't like you meddling with their, or they want you to use all their features. And that's maybe they're giving, maybe they're giving you a benefit by keeping it checked. Yeah. Who knows? It, it could be like, you know, when TikTok or Instagram, they roll out a new feature like Reels or the more you use their features, the more they give you a little bit of a boost. Heating with TikTok came out in the news recently where there was like a button that they can press to make people go viral. Be really curious what's going on behind the scenes with some of these new features like that. It's like just checking this off and using the feature. Give me this hidden benefit, but you've tested it like directly and it's worked, which is really cool to see. Yep. I imagine it would give some benefit if they're trying to use that to even just gather more data to feed into the algorithm, like they, their benefit as well. But it sounds like it's somewhat like similar to your Amazon shopping experience, right? You get bought together or have you considered this instead, trying to capture that same human psychology when they're shopping? Yeah, um, and imagine it will come to the Facebook feed as well at some point. Yeah. seems to be what they do, they roll out on Instagram. And then bring things across. Great. Well, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Are there any final tips or takeaways that you had? I believe everyone just have the same conclusion that you have always, you always have to test new things. <laughs> That's how you will find something that will work the best for your business and bring you the success. It's not the best solution just to stay with the same things all the time. Yeah, definitely keep testing. Yeah. And to add to that as well, if, if your media buyer is not analyzing your creative on a, I don't know, weekly, monthly basis, like really taking time to go and look at it, analyze it. Why did it work? Why didn't it work? You're not going to really have success anymore because that is the key is the creative. Nothing to add. That was that's yeah. great. Yeah. And I'd say I think one thing we learned is really look for inspiration in organic and to trust the algorithm, utilize the going broad even DCO and trying some of these features that require you to give up some control. One thing that we have here at Tier 11, we've mentioned it a couple of times, we call it CAMP, but that's short for Customer Acquisition Amplification. It's this giant graphic that we have that we kind of use to make sure that we are creating content or 
yeah, basically created for each level of the customer journey. If you want to grab that, you can go over to tier11.com slash camp, C-A-A-M-P, and you can download that for free. Um, if you have any questions, you can shoot us emails. My email is tom at tier11.com. I'd be happy to talk about camp all day long, and I'm sure we'll do a lot more camp-specific episodes. But Oha, Cameron, Landon, thank you very much for joining us today and talking all about Meta and other social platforms. And until next time, I'll see you later. I'm Tom Meredith. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes.